Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Running Light podcast this week, March, I think it's 10th, and I'm here with Peter Martin, and my name's Bo Willette, and we welcome you to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about... We're going to be talking about the idea of being new people in Christ versus abstinence towards sin. And what does that mean, man, when you say all that? So I know it sounds like a mouthful, but it's actually really important to what we talk about in these studies, because... If you go to any um, worldly kind of psychologist or, or anything like that, dealing with any type of sin, whether it is sexual or, or whatever, what they basically kind of try to tell you to do uh, is to just kind of stop it. And using behavioral modifications and, and, and techniques, they kind of teach you how to abstain from what you desire to do. And unfortunately in the church... What I've seen in my very short time of of, of ministry and uh, even my time of just attending church is that the church has kind of adopted this model. And I don't know, have you, you kind of seen that as well, Bo? Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, I mean, I think I think the church in general, when it looks at like heavy sins, we could say, the real heavy, heavy ones, and the ones that we have struggled with, things like pornography or self-gratification, you know, the always you get the idea of, hey, you need to just stop it. Um, and you know, there's a problem in my mind always with the idea of stopping. When you tell someone to stop it, the problem is, is that it's hard to stop it. <laughs> and if it was that easy, you know, it, 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 it we do it first of all. And then I always think like, wouldn't it be odd if you, if you looked at, um, uh, the other sins in the church on a uh, same par with the sexual sins and how mm. we try to deal with the sexual sin, mm. you know, so say we look at people that are overweight and we, we just said to them, Hey, you just got to stop it. <laughs> you know, you just need to stop eating. Mm. You know, it would, it would sound really rude, mm. you know, and almost not even just rude, but there would be a sense of folly, I think in that, that statement of just stop it. Mm. You know, the reason it would be folly is because we know that they can't stop it. I mean, it's obvious every week they attend, every week they are fat. Mm. You know, so it becomes a foolish statement. And I, and I think that's why people don't say that. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it, it would be a foolish statement. People would kind of be like, that's kind of rude. And <laughs> that's a little bit of a lame statement, you yeah. know. Um, but on. So there's there's got to be another component mm. to recovery than just saying, you know, stop it. Right. Or or maybe there's got to be just another whole way of going about it than just saying stop it. Right. And and I I do like in First Timothy um, one where where he does say and and I think it is important that we make this distinction where he says in First Timothy one, um, verse verse five. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And and this is what Paul is trying to get at with Timothy, and I think that it's kind of like what you're articulating right now, Bo, is that there were people in Timothy's church who were using the law as a blunt instrument, uh, meaning that they would look at someone who struggles sexually and they would say, don't you know 
that if you commit adultery, that's wrong? Don't you know that, you know, checking out girls is wrong and lusting in the heart? That's adultery, man. Like, don't you know? And they, they would see people, you know, like, uh, wanting to do drugs or wanting to do alcohol, these things that the, the early Christian church was getting away from. And so they were just using the law to just beat these people over the head. And Paul's actually rebuking them right now. He's rebuking them and he's saying, don't you know that the purpose of the law is love from a pure heart? So what he's saying is the purpose of the law is not to beat people over the head and helping that their behavior changes. He's saying that the purpose of the law is to actually impact the very heart and desires of the person that's being spoken to. And that will never happen by me beating someone over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that the law is good, verse 8, if one uses it lawfully. And I like the, how he says that. He means that there's a way that I can express the law without damaging somebody. Meaning, if, if I'm talking to someone in the church who doesn't know that viewing pornography is wrong, which I actually have spoken to, to quite a few, uh, new believers, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you have too, Bo. Yeah. Uh, of people, and especially when we go to the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk to these brand new baby believers getting off of drugs and alcohol, and pornography is like the furthest thing from their mind of things that they need to deal with. And so when we start talking to them about, you know, no, this is a wrong activity, this is a wrong thing to do, it's good that we utilize Scripture to back this up, saying that it's not just my personal bend. This is what God himself says that we need to do with our sexuality. But from there, that can't be the end-all, be-all, though, is the point. From there, there needs to be more. There needs to be more in-depth. And and I think that that would be important for us to talk about today. Mm. Yeah, it's good stuff, dude. I was just thinking about that. That's so good. I think so many people don't use the law totally unlawfully. I mean, it's such a good point, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, when I look at, when I think of um, what we're talking about, you know, it seems like what you want to do, like the prodigal son, you know, you want to be able to acknowledge that there's something greater or better in affection um, for you mm. and towards you in relationship to you mm. um, and if if you if I can't seem to understand that or I can't grasp that um, that there's something better in relation to me then I'll never leave the thing that I'm doing. Yeah, and yeah. and I think Paul does a good job of explaining that in the, at the end of First Timothy uh, one as well, where he says, mm-hmm. "Don't you know that the law is for people who suck?" Right. You know, like here are these people looking at people uh, who are sinning, and he's saying, and they're being like, "Hey, don't don't commit adultery, don't do this, don't do that." And Paul says, "Don't you realize that the law was given to show the whole world that we're terrible?" That's mm-hmm. what he says in Romans three that the law was given that all mouths may be stopped before the throne of God, so that we don't have an excuse before God. Mm-hmm. So me utilizing the, God, the the law to beat people over the head, Paul actually reveals the hidden motive of people who do that. And he says their motive actually is to feel better about themselves. Mm. Uh, is to, and that's certainly, for me, in my life, that's what I did so often, where it's like, yeah, yeah I view porn, but I don't actually commit adultery. You right. know? I use the law on other people to make myself feel better about myself yeah. instead of allowing it to cut my heart and to do what it actually intends to do. And and there's another example in the Bible where he, he does this. This is Colossians 2. And he says in verse 20, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, 
Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. And, and we see in those commandments, those are just very simplistic. You know, mm-hmm. just stop. Just stop viewing porn. Just stop cheating on your wife. Just stop overeating. Just stop drinking. You know, don't touch it. Don't taste it. Don't handle it. Very simplistic. Mm-hmm. And this is what he says about those things, which all concern things which perish with using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, meaning it seems right, in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Mm. Uh, It's kind of interesting, right? The neglect of the body... And it says the neglect, uh, the what? What was it? It was the neglecting of the body and the something of the flesh. What was that? Yeah, neglect of the body, and it's of no value against the indulgence of the, the flesh. The indulgence of the flesh. When you think of the neglect of the body and the indulgence of the flesh, they almost seem contrary to one another. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like how can you, how can you not? You're not indulging, or you're not. You're neglecting your body, so you're abstaining. Mm. But how can you indulge in the flesh by abstinence? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like a contradictory kind of statement, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not, absolutely. I think I think what Paul's getting at, and <laughs> I think it's very important, is that if I have this mentality of do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, for someone like me, what that's going to do to me, because I'm just a wicked, wicked sinner, when someone tells me, don't view porn, there's a part of my heart that craves it more. <laughs> when someone tells me, don't walk where there's no crosswalk, I kind of want to do it a little bit right. more. When someone says, don't speed in this area, I kind of want to do it a little bit more. When someone says, don't touch, I want to touch it. Yeah. You know, and, and so, and Paul actually gets to that in Romans 7, mm-hmm. where he says, I wouldn't have known that covetousness was wrong unless someone would have told me. And he says, but then sin taking advantage by the law, filled me with all sorts of covetousness and that's what I'm like. So for someone like me, if if a, a pastor or a minister came up to me and said and and it happened to me, uh mm-hmm. they didn't come up to me but I listened to their sermons mm-hmm. where they just said just stop. There was a part of my heart that just felt like junk of like man, I suck. I can't even stop. Not, I can't even stop. <laughs> and he made it sound so easy. Just right. stop. man, why right. can't I just stop? Right. And so part of me just felt like junk and then the other part of me, there was another secret part of me that started to crave it even more. Yeah. And and obviously that guilt and that shame led to me wanting it more and more and more and more. Yeah. And then there's another type of person, there might be some person, people out there who have enough willpower that if someone came up to them and said just stop, Apparently, there are people out there that that could actually do that. They have enough self-control to do that. But the problem with them, and I think you're getting at that when you said um, neglect of the body, and then he says, but it's of no value against the indulgence of the flesh, that these people who here just don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, and they're actually able to, to do that. Through willpower. Through willpower. What Paul is saying is that they're actually indulging a part of their flesh. And what part of the flesh is that? It's, it's pride. And it's really, it's really the, I think what C.S. Lewis hit on in, I don't know if it was mere Christianity or where, but it was, he called it the diabolical sins, <laughs> where there was, there was the sins of, of, um, like, uh, sex and drugs and that kind of thing that he calls it one thing. And then he says the sins of pride, selfishness, self-righteousness, 
um, in, in a sense, Pharisee sins. Mm. He calls them diabolical, man. Like even harder core, mm. you know, which is kind of odd because we think we think, oh, if you don't indulge in the flesh, like sexually, drugs, then you're okay. But C.S. Lewis saw that actually there's a more diabolical sin than even those outward sins, though they're bad. Yeah. And that is the sins of of self righteousness. So though you might be free from pornography, mm. if it doesn't produce the glorification of God, mm. then it is self righteousness. Mm. You know, so that's to me the distinction between someone who gets uh, free from pornography um, in the Christian way or in their own other way. The mm. other way would be a self-righteous way. Mm. It produces self-righteousness. Right. They think that they just can do it. And that's the person who, as uh, the famous writer, the hymn writer, John Newton, I think you quoted him last week, but he said, you know, it would be foolish if you you know that once you were in a pit and that, and, you know, and someone put a ladder in that pit and, and you were able to climb out. And then as you were out of the pit and you saw someone else stuck in that pit, if, if you just said, Hey, you know, why don't you just climb out of that pit? And you didn't give them the ladder. Yeah. You know, you have to remember that someone gave you the ladder yeah. to get out of that pit. And, yeah. and that's what Christ has done. He's put the ladder in to get us out. Mm. And that produces a, a God righteousness, mm. you know, a Christ righteousness, meaning it's Christ who's the ladder. He's the help mm. that got us out. Yeah. And so that's what I think um, myself that Paul is trying to get at is he saw his issue was covetousness. Mm. And that was a diabolical sin. That was the inward sin. Mm. You know what I mean? It wasn't the outward one, but he saw it as ho- so horrible. He saw that that's what killed him. Yeah. You know, I mean, in Romans seven, you know, that was what shocked his world of, you know, what an awful sinner he was, where most mm. of us don't look at covetousness yeah. <laughs> as like a real heinous deal. You know, we don't don't. I mean, do you? Yeah, no. In, in America, we call it ambition. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think so, too. And, you know, yeah, we just don't see covetousness as like, man, that is hardcore. You know what I mean? And in the church, you just don't hear many pastors preach on covetousness in a real uh hardcore way Mm. or or especially uh in contrast to adultery or something like that yeah yeah so so i mean i think in all this uh way we see that there's 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 a wrong way to go about this and then there's a right way to to experience uh god yeah you know yeah, and the, the the right way obviously gives us incredible freedom, and and Paul expresses beautifully in Romans eight mm-hmm. that this freedom that he receives from Christ is greater than anything he ever received through his own willpower. I mean, in Philippians three, this dude had so much willpower that he said in Philippians three that according to the law he was blameless. So that means that all the physical sins that we think about, sexual sins, uh, abusive sins like uh, substance abuse type sins. Um, even going out and like slandering people or, or hurting people that that uh, weren't apostates in his mind, mm-hmm. um, all these sins he says I'm blameless towards all of them. But it was the internal ones that that constantly wrecked his heart. Mm-hmm. And so Paul expresses in Romans at the end of Romans seven and, and in Romans eight that there was a greater freedom in this law of grace. And and this is I think he articulates it a little bit better in Colossians one, where he says this in verse twenty seven. To them, God willed to make know what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
and this is what Paul is getting at, and I think it's so beautiful that he's he's mentioning this, is that in the New Covenant, he says, as opposed to the Old Covenant in the Old Testament where it was just a list of rules and do's and don'ts, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Uh, and now in the New Covenant, he's saying it's not like that anymore. He says, in the New Covenant, Christ comes in me. He dwells in me. And he works out his own righteousness in my life, meaning he starts to actually transform and change my heart. And Paul actually describes this as a hope of glory, mm. a hope of future glory that is inside of Christ. And so for a Christian, what we do, what we understand is that God is, once again, he's not trying to change my behavior. He's not so interested in behavioral modification. He's interested in heart change. He's interested in my desires changing. And when we talk about this, we're talking about something that is far more complicated than me sitting down with someone one time and just saying, just stop. Uh, we're talking about a lifelong commitment to seeking Jesus and to allowing Jesus to, to radically alter the, the, the very fabric of my being. And this is a lifelong thing for all of us. We're all on this path. Mm-hmm. We're just at different stages. That's right. And that that's that's the difference between the laws. The law can't replace the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the coming of the Holy Spirit is in a sense the uh it's the the sign of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. You know, just as the first covenant had a sign and that was it was the law of God. Mm-hmm. That was the contract. You know, so and and then and proof of being in the contract was circumcision. Mm. So proof of the contract of being under Christ, um, the new lawgiver, is the immersion in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so growth in the Holy Spirit is is not through a outward obedience to law, mm. but it's through a faith in Christ, which a beholding, if we will, of Christ, mm. and that beholding, it transforms us. Romans chapter 12, verses 2 says we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm. And what it means by renewing of our mind is like a refreshing aspect of our mind. Our mind is being refreshed. How is it being refreshed? Because we're dwelling on something different now. Mm. You know, we're thinking on Jesus. We're thinking about him. We're studying him we're looking at him we're beholding we're loving him Mm. and it's through that that we have a spiritual change in the inward man that takes place Mm. that is renewed according to the image of god as it says in colossians chapter three um so i mean that's the cool part about you know christian recovery is it's not about like do this and it's going to work. You know, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like that. Cause that can produce a self-righteousness. Mm. You know, it's not about that. Well, I did this program and the program worked. It's not about a boasting in a program mm. or anything. It's simply through the work of beholding Christ. Mm. And as we behold Christ, then we see a transformed heart. And how that looks is that it doesn't mean that the person who is who is struggles with food doesn't struggle with food. Mm. It doesn't mean that, or it doesn't mean the person who struggles with pornography doesn't struggle with pornography. The person who struggles with reading, you know, stuff doesn't struggle with reading, and the person who struggles with games doesn't struggle with games. You know, the pride and bride and whatever the issues are, there's so many. There's just a gamut of them. Mm. But it's that we start seeing them in the true reality of the new kingdom. Meaning we have such a new kingdom mentality, we see things very clear, where it's like we eat that extra piece of pie, 
or we eat that extra ice cream that we shouldn't eat and things like that. And we walk away from that and we go, man, that wasn't that good. Hmm. I mean, was it tantalizing? Yes. Was it tempting? Yes. You know, but it doesn't have the same taste hmm. that it once did. It's like there's something missing from it. Hmm. And and that's a that's cool, you know, I like that. Hmm. Because um it it means that, you know, my mind is being renewed in, in a new way and there's a better way and a better mint. Hmm. Um you know, that's happening. And, and that's cool. And you're right. That does take time. That's, I mean, I don't know how it worked for me, Peter, in that, you know, drugs and things like that were, you know, when I moved out here, it was like I cut off drugs. You know what I mean? I, it's like I moved away from the drug scene. I moved away from friends and it just, bam, it was done. You know, I was, and, and that's how it worked for me. You mm. know, it doesn't work for everybody like that. Mm. Some people, even though they move, away and they try to get away they still just meet other people and they get right back into it you know for me like um i was growing in my walk with christ i was really aware of uh the kingdom of god and what he was doing in my life by moving me out to tucson and it was a very um serious move you know And and that kind of way of thinking just moved drugs just out of my life, just pushed it aside. I just had no place for it anymore, mm. you know. The sexual things were a lot different, though. Because I like sex with my spouse only, um, I, I, I tended to be revved up sexually. Mm. And to be revved up sexually in our culture is a tough thing to be. Because you have sexuality all everywhere, you know. Mm. And so I had to learn how to, and I still am, learning how to um, process that kind of um, situation where you have sex, but you're not to abuse sex. Mm. You know, you're not to, it's not It's not good to self-gratify, mm. you know, and, and those type of things. So, um you know, you have to work through those things, you know. But, uh, yeah, for me, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, you know, I, I figure this is that you continue, we have to continue to behold Christ. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, I know I'm not going to be perfected until the Lord comes back. Um, you know, but I certainly want to continue in the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I keep, I keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul definitely gives, very interesting motivations in in the books of Romans and Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians uh, for engaging in this new man kind of mentality. And his argument is never don't do it because it's icky or don't do it because it's bad, wrong, you know, bad Christian. That's not never what he says. Mm-hmm. His his argument is always like very strange. It's always I, I like the one that he gives in Romans six the best where he says if don't you know whoever you present your members to you are slaves to that one mm. so his argument in Romans 6 is not hey sexual sin is bad his argument in Romans 6 is if you continue in sexuality you're going to be a slave to that thing and it's going to wreck your life so he's always thinking in Paul's mind he's always thinking Jesus is better Jesus is better he's greater he's more uh, why are you wasting your time in these things? Why are you in the pig slop when the, the father has invited you into the house? Yeah. You know, that's always what he's thinking in his mind. And I think that that, 
that way of thinking transformed the way that I fought. Because for so long in my life, I fought um, because I did think of that way of, I can't touch it, I just shouldn't. You know, it's just bad, it's wrong. You know, God has called me to do this. And so because of that, not only was I depressed because I couldn't do what I wanted to do, mm. but secondly, I looked at God as kind of a killjoy. Mm. You know, I kind of looked at him as like, I want to do these things, but God said no. Yeah. You know, he, he's kind of just like that, that, that dad that just tells you like, Hey, you know, no, you know, mm-hmm. you just can't. I know you really want to, but no dessert, you know? Yeah. That, that's kind of the way I thought of God. Right. Like there are these things that I really love, you know, yeah. they feel so good and God's just saying no. <laughs> but I always think like, you know, um, you know, the best thing to do out there, you know, is for listeners and for us too is, you know, that's why it's good to be honest with God, mm. you know? And, and if you, if something's tantalizing to you, uh, you know, then, you know, just say it, mm. you know, just say it to God, say, Hey, you know, this is an attractive thing to me mm. and I don't want it to be, mm. I don't want it to be an attractive thing to me, mm. but I can't change myself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, so let me, let me look to you, Christ, and see your beauty and your preciousness mm. and, and have it move me. Mm. You know, have that love move me. Mm. And, um, cause, you know, as the analogies go with family, right? The, the love you have for a son or the love you have for a daughter, you know, what does that do? It, it, it certainly is wonderful motivation for so many things in life. You know, whether you're secular or you're sacred, Mm. you know, of a person, you know. But just think what the love of the eternal God Mm. is like, you know what I mean? And the motivation that that could give us, Mm. you know, um, you know, to press us forward. It's it's absolutely amazing. And that should be the the motivation. And that's really the distinction between, you know, uh, getting sober or clean or away from pornography mm. um, in a positive way and or not, yeah. you know, it's if it's going to be based on love or if it's going to be based on force. Right. You know, and that's why in my life I, I had to redefine because so often I would look at my week and be like, ah, oh, I had a crappy week. You know, I fell to porn. And that was all I looked at. I just looked at that one event, that one moment in my entire week, and that was what dictated a good week or a bad week. Right. You didn't. You didn't look at yeah. anything else. God was doing. <laughs> I didn't look at nothing else. Right. You know. And there were weeks where I didn't fall to porn, but you know what? I had a sucky time with the Lord. You know, right. I like barely prayed. I didn't get His word. I had two hours that were horrible out of the whole week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just it. That whole week sucks. And that's that's the way I thought. And so yeah. it was so important for me. Like the thing. I love the way you said it. When I, I started to understand that, it changed. It was like I no longer defined freedom as how long I went without falling or stumbling. Yeah. But I started to find freedom on how much I enjoyed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I had a great week. Did you fall to porn? Well, yeah, I did. But, man, Jesus is so good and he's so pure and he forgives me and he loves me. And when I started seeing it that way, I started seeing far more freedom in my life from this sin than I ever found just trying to say no, you know, mm-hmm. just saying no. And obviously, uh, I know we have to wrap up, but, uh, and we'll probably do full podcasts in each one of these, but the beautiful thing about the Lord, since this is a process that takes time, He has given us wonderful tools to help us in this walk. And tools like amputation, you know, cutting off those things, that, that junk that just always pulls you in because your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. And, and you don't want to, but every single time you go to that computer, every single time you flip on the iPhone or whatever, you tend to just go faceplant. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, God has given us this wonderful gift of amputation, so you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, and He's given us this wonderful gift of confession, where man, if I'm struggling in my heart, I could go to another Christian brother or and and just say, hey, you know what, man. I'm I'm really battling this week. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm really struggling. I want to view porn like so bad. Mm-hmm. And I know that God has better for me. Can you pray for me? Can you encourage me? Mm-hmm. And just having that dialogue with someone to know that I'm not in the fight alone, yeah. that somebody's with me, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Good word, man, for today. Hey, guys, we'll wrap up and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.